You can stand all day and watch a plant and you'll never see it grow. Go away and come back the next day and it's grown an inch. The process is often hidden from man's view. There's power in the seed. In this chapter of Mark's gospel, we see Jesus as he begins to teach in parables. And his actions at this time represent a departure from the orthodox and conventional teaching methods found in the synagogue. Jesus is, in this text, no longer teaching in the synagogue, but he has a growing congregation gathering along the banks of the lakeside, eagerly awaiting his tutelage. Barclay, the famous Bible commentator, notes that he was ready and willing to take religious preaching and teaching out of its conventional setting in the synagogue into the open air and among the crowds of ordinary men and women. And so within this literary boundaries of this chapter, Jesus tells three parables. And after reading the text, one quickly discerns the unifying characteristic of all three of these parables in this text is the seed. And while the seed in the portion that we study this morning is not identified as the word of God, Jesus plainly tells his disciples in verse 14, he says, what the sower is sowing is the word. So here in our text today, we have three parables about the word of God. But of even greater significance, I believe, is what we learn about the central role of the word of God has in the kingdom of God. In the first parable in this chapter of Mark's gospel, Jesus talks about the different soils upon which the seed falls. And in the second parable, he speaks about the mysterious manner of the seed's development. And in the final parable, he says something about the nature and the potential of the seed itself. And so today we want to look closely at the second parable. And I would say to you that, that just for for, for reference sake, that of all the parables of Jesus, this particular parable is the only one that appears only in Mark's gospel. So as this passage progresses from the parable of the soils, the, the camera which has viewed the four kinds of ground the farmer might encounter while sowing, now zooms in on a man sowing seed in his field. Mark 26, 426 says, and he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. I want you to pay close attention here to what Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of God is like. This is a simile. It is a comparison. The kingdom of God is just like this. Jesus doesn't say to his hearers that, that this is an occasional occurrence in the kingdom, nor does he suggest that this is an event that occurs frequent enough to warrant our attention. No, instead, Jesus says that this is what the kingdom of God is like. And it suggests to us today that, uh, that what follows in this parable 
is so ubiquitous and so indispensable that our Lord says that this is literally what the kingdom actually is. It is a stellar event, an aspect of paramount importance and so vital that it can only be described as the very essence of what the kingdom of God is about. And Jesus utilizes the realm of agriculture to illustrate God's kingdom. He takes broad strokes as he paints the picture for his listeners. And in the picture he paints, the farmer goes out to the fields to sow. It is difficult work as he sows the field, but it is this that the farmer does. It's what he does. This is his part of the contribution to the process. And so the first valuable lesson that we take from this text this morning is simply this. In the kingdom of God, as in the kingdom of nature, we are laborers together with God. Somebody ought to say amen. Don't, don't, don't miss this point. If we understand that we are laborers together with God, then it is extremely important that we recognize our role. When I was in college and I tried at playing a little intramural volleyball. And in volleyball, as in other sports, uh, football in particular, there are zones in which you play. There may be five people on the court. And if you're in the left, that's your zone. If you're on the right, that's your zone. If you're in the center, that's your zone. Well, I didn't understand that initially. And so when I was out on the volleyball court, and if the ball went over to the, to, the, to, the, to the left and I was on the right, I was all the way over to the left trying to get the ball. If the ball went in the back, I was all the way in the back trying to get the ball. If I was at the, the ball came to the right, I went to the center. Finally, the coach sat me down and said, look, son, your position is on the right. And you don't need to go any further than this line to protect your position. It's called zone defense. And so it's important for us to understand that if we are co-laborers with God, it's important for us to understand what our role is. You see, it is our duty as co-laborers with God to sow the seed. And the seed is the word of God. It is our duty to sow the seed, but it is up to God to give the increase. Somebody ought to say amen. Notice here that after a hard day of sowing, the farmer goes home and he goes to bed. He doesn't sit up all night pulling out his hair and pacing the floor. He doesn't stress out wondering if the seed fell in the right places or whether the seed will take root. Nor does he rise early the next morning and rush out to his fields digging up seed to see whether they had sprouted already. The farmer gets his proper rest, secure in the fact that God is at work, knowing that God has a part in the process and knowing that God alone must do it. No one can do it for him, but God will faithfully do his part. And in the confidence of that truth, this man rests secure. And then an amazing and an inevitable process begins. A process which takes time and patience. A process that allows God to work. Uh, let me just say parenthetically that, that, that many of us have found it difficult to wait on God. Many of us find it difficult to give God time to work. 
one of the most destructive forces in the church today is our insistent demand for instant results. We are creatures of the moment, and inevitably, we think in terms of the here and now. What do I mean? What are you saying, Brother Pastor? I'm glad you asked. A, you see, email has replaced snail mail. Text messages are preferred over phone calls. You can't even work online uninterrupted because of, 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 of somebody who invented some ingenious little thing called instant messages. We want to have immediate conversations. We want immediate responses. We want immediate dedications every time we speak. You see, in our sense of urgency for the here and now, we tend not to allow time for the word to take root and grow and come to harvest. Think about it. Just think about it. There are some of us who have been in the church all of our lives 40, 50 years or more, and the seed hadn't taken root yet. But Job declares that if you wait on him, a change will come. Isaiah declares that if you wait on him, he will renew your strength. But our Lord is teaching us the great truth that we ought to wait on him. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, this parable stresses the divine power within the seed. Look, look at what Jesus says in verse 27 in the first part of verse 28. He says, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. You see, the key to this whole passage is that the seed grows he knows not how. This is a secret of the kingdom of God. The earth bears fruit of itself. And that is to say, no matter how much you want to think that you're in control, no matter how much I might believe that, 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 that I'm speaking to you this morning, no matter how much I want to take credit for what happens in my life and what happens in this church and what happens in this ministry, no matter how much I want to take credit or you may want to take credit, the truth is that there are forces at work which will be faithful to perform their work with or without you. And when you really consider this truth, it is one of the most encouraging statements of all the parables Jesus ever uttered. You see, again, there is the sowing of the seed, but then there is the resulting growth. God's word, the seed, is the agent of growth in the kingdom. Y'all didn't get that. It's not what I do. It's not what you do. You see, we are nothing but sowers. Our job is to sow the seed. But it's the seed, the word of God, that brings the growth. You see, that's encouraging to me because if it was left up to man, some of us would never see any growth. Someone once said that, that I'm glad that man did not make sunshine because he wouldn't let it shine on me. The seed has life in itself and it must be sown in order to see the kingdom grow. Socrates 
The great Greek classical philosopher saw that the teacher's real role, the teacher's real work, and his only work is to implant the idea like a seed. An idea like a seed will look after itself. And perhaps the greatest surprise of all in this text is that God does his work in us without any help from us. Salvation is totally God's work. If the word of Christ takes root and grows in us, it is to God's credit. It isn't anything that we've done. Having sown the seed, we must wait for time and God to perfect the growth. This is what Paul meant when he said in the letter to, 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 to uh, in, in Philippians, he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This process is a sovereign work of God, and it is a process oftentimes hidden from the view of man. Think about it. You can stand all day and watch a plant, and you'll never see it grow. Go away and come back the next day, and it's grown an inch. The process is often hidden from man's view. You see, the mustard plant doesn't boast because it grew so much, nor does it measure itself. The apple tree doesn't stand in the, in, in the orchard and, and beat its chest about how fruitful it was. You see, both just grow and produce its crop for us to enjoy. Alan Carr says in his commentary about this passage, he says, Such is the seed of the gospel of grace. When it is sown in a ready heart, that's important. It has to be sown in a heart that is receptive to it. But when it's sown in a heart that is ready and receptive, it will germinate and reproduce itself over and over again. The seed, the word of God, has the potential to begin small, and to reproduce much. The seed of the gospel finds a lodging place in a heart that has been plowed by the word of God and tilled by the grace of God. It will germinate and leave that heart forever changed and producing a harvest of spiritual fruit to the glory of God. You see, care how good you are, care how noble you are, a good and noble heart cannot bear fruit by itself. It takes a seed that has within itself the power to germinate and grow in good soil. And this parable, I'm almost finished, emphasizes the need for those who sow to trust and hope in the power of the seed. Why is that important? Economically, things are tight. And if you don't understand that it's not about economics, but it's about the power of the seed, then all you see is what we don't have. The word of God has power to transform our lives. The word of God has power to transform this church. The word of God has power to transform this ministry. And if you are hurting today, the word of God has power to transform your life. This parable teaches us that the gospel seed has power. It teaches us that, that while we may not see immediate results for our efforts, the gospel will bear fruit in the Lord's time, in due time. And realizing that the Holy Spirit is able to bless our labors, 
realizing that the Holy Spirit is able to spread good seed, to spread the word. Let me plant a couple seeds in our minds today, realizing that God only wants good for us and, and not bad. Let us rise night and day as this man did. Let us trust God that he will sovereignly undertake the success of our labors. Let us keep going forward and not go back. Though we knoweth not how, rest assured this morning that God is faithful and he will do a good thing. God bless you. This ends message number 2001 by L. Woods. To hear other messages or to send this message number 2001. To a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 2001. Sowing the seed. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.